Hey, Link here. Thanks for joining me for episode 78, where I speak of Thomas Gainan. In this episode, we speak about the usual, like how he got into the industry, words of wisdom based on his experiences, the games that made them want to get into making games, what makes gaming enjoyable to them, and their current comfort games, as well as a bunch of NES-centric things, such as NES games that don't get enough credit, NES games that don't really hold up today, and what they do outside of gaming. Before we get started, don't forget there are links in the episode description that you can follow to learn more about Thomas and the game Rugrats Adventure in Gameland, as well as the podcast. Also, don't forget to like and share the episode, and without further ado, enjoy episode 78. Welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Thomas Gainan, the Mixed Games co-founder, game dev at Spoonie Bard in Interbang Entertainment, and currently working on Rugrats Adventure in Gameland. Hi, Thomas. How are you doing today? Not too bad, and you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. And now, Thomas, I apologize. I think even after checking, I, I screwed your last name up, didn't I? <laughs> no, it's Guinan. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, no, you're good. Good. Thank you. I was reading it and I, you know, I don't know if you heard the, the my little hitch there. Uh, my brain just sort of went sideways, but I'm, gl- I'm glad. <laughs> so thank you. So, um, Thomas, before we get started, would you mind telling me and anyone that's listening a little bit about yourself and you know as well when you're doing that by all means feel free to throw anything you'd like in there about your current projects sure um yeah my name's uh thomas guinan i'm uh based in uh nova scotia canada um and uh i'm a indie game developer um i've been doing it professionally i'd say since about 2017 um it's been my my full time since 2019 um before that i was a uh um you know i was a, still a uh, a computer dev um and um yeah so awesome you know thank you for that and you know it sorry i'm trying to think of the the best way to put it so you went from being a, like a regular uh, I'm going to say boring programmer because, you know, let's yeah, be boring programmer is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a boring <laughs> programmer. So like, don't take that in any dismissive way. Um, but no, so you went from being like a, a boring regular programmer to, to making games um, or starting to make games before that. Were you like, did you play around with like making games as little small projects or did you kind of just go full, full into the deep end of the pool? Yeah. So, I mean, it's always been something I've been um, done as a, as a side um thing just for my own interest sake um even going back to when i was a kid um i'm i guess i'd say like an elder millennial age person um like we got my our first computer when i was a kid in 1994 i think it was and one of the first things i wanted to be able to do back then i was 13 years old i wanted to make you know i wanted to make video games so you had uh Q basic came bundled with DOS and I, that was one of the first things I really jumped into. Um, there was also a game called uh ZZT that had this really cool level editor with a programming language. And uh, I, I made a few probably extremely terrible games with that in my, uh, my teenage years. Um, 
So it was just sort of something I was always into. And um, once the emulation and uh, that scene sort of became a thing in the late 90s, I really got into that as well with um, ROM hacking and and that sort of thing. So it, it was always something um, that I really enjoyed to do. Um, but it was something I kind of never really, you know, saw a, a way into professionally where as opposed to you know you go to school you get your computer science degree and you kind of you know do the right thing sort of thing um so I, I i did that um and uh it actually ended up working out that um as i was doing that um i uh i sort of got back into around look 2017 again um finding out about the uh, nes homebrew scene and i looked at and thinking wow there are people making nes games you know that's the first generation that i grew up with the video games i thought that was really cool and then seeing it and thinking i can do this um so i i put together my first uh, nes game and uh ran a kickstarter for it um and it did it did you know pretty pretty decent um, so it was some nice side money and um, got, you know, a decent amount of attention in that homebrew NES scene. And that's kind of uh, sort of where I started taking the indie dev thing professionally. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And uh, a few things, one that I really want to want to bounce off and we can move on from it really quick. But, um, you know, as someone that was... Uh, in the late, in like in the late nineties, I was, you know, I was hitting, I, don't know, I was just starting to become a tween or, or hit the double digits effectively. Um, and it always baffles my mind when I think back on that era, kind of that the emulation scene for like Super Nintendo and Nintendo and such that it existed. And I mean that in the sense of like the amount of support necessary to be reverse engineering and recreating that it always blows my mind that people were doing that before the internet was really kind of at its peak for like being able to get help right like that you know you would have had like people would have been in like use groups or use nets and like doing all of that and that just blows my mind that people were able to do that back then oh um, yeah it's um it is pretty crazy because even back then, like when I was doing it, I didn't even have an internet connection at home. It was, I would go to the school library with three and a half inch floppies and I'd be downloading emulators and ROMs and, and like utilities and stuff and, and bringing them home and hoping that things worked. <laughs> so yeah, so when you 100% know exactly the, 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 the angle or the path that I'm, I'm getting at there because you know, it's, it's absolutely wild. Um, you know, just thinking about figuring things out before the internet, and especially in this case, you know, before, uh, if I was working on like a school project, I'd go to like the library to get it like at an encyclopedia that didn't exist for these things. And, you know, people figured it out and from scratch, it always just blows my mind. Um, and kind of in like the same carryover vein, how does it feel to be a person that made a Nintendo game in the late 2000s or, or sorry, the past that, you know, coming up, like, well, it, how does it feel to be someone making a Nintendo game like 40 odd years after its existence or what have you that there's, that's the way to ask it. 
Yeah, it's um, it's pretty surreal. And I think what's the more surreal thing about it to me isn't just the fact that I um, that I can that I'm doing it, which that in itself felt so surreal to me from the start that like when I first started doing it, I was like, wow, this, you know, I'm making NES games and they're playing on NES hardware. But then when it, it got to the point where, you know, I, I started, um, you know, collaborating with a uh, limited run, getting contracts and that sort of thing. And it was to the point where it was like, I'm not just making NES games, but I'm doing it professionally. Like, you know, 30 <laughs> years after the system stopped being produced, it's uh, it, it is a surreal, it's a very surreal. Um, so yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I think, I think you more than you know, like I can kind of empathetically understand that, but like you are actively there, so yeah, I like, I get why it would be surreal, and you know, it just, I, I, I don't. I don't think there's like a really nice, easy way for me to even put into words to try and encapsulate like how to say that must be absolutely bonkers that when you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, this is a game I'm making that's going to play on the Nintendo. Like, yes, it's easy to say that, but like the everything surrounding it is very, in my mind, um, for me, I'm very hard to try and like put that into terms that actually fully expresses just how bananas that is, right? Yeah, and the 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 banana the level of bananas has uh it kind of snowballs too because it it starts you know you start out and just the fact that you're doing it is crazy, and like right now say like with the uh, Rugrats with the current game that we're wrapping up it's like I'm working with Paramount that's like one of the biggest companies in the world <laughs> to make. Like and and Rugrats was like at one point I think in the '90s it was like the largest children's franchise of the '90s, and and I'm you know working on a game for that for you know obsolete hardware that is going to be released that people are you know and the, and people are are hyped about it and it's it's a it's a it's a very surreal feeling because I feel like everything about that it feels like shouldn't exist but here i am and you know speaking of of the game you're working rugrats adventure in gameland um the the one thing that you know even wilder in my mind is the nintendo was already done by the time rugrats was on tv so not only are you working on a game for an obsolete system this was a system that didn't exist or wasn't really being like whatevered when the series came out so it's not even like you're making a period piece game that's a weird way to put that but i think you know what i mean you're making like a previous period piece game <laughs> um, yeah although to be fair this is one I, i've had and i always counter to this is that rugrats it started its run in 1991 and it was the same as ren and stimpy and ren and stimpy had an nes game and so did darkwing duck so it was kind of that borderline point between NES and Super Nintendo where a lot of the kid stuff was still getting games. So it's kind of that sweet spot to me. So I'm not going to lie. I honestly thought Rugrats came a few years later, but 90, okay. So 91, yeah. that's, it's yep. older. Than, it's older than I remember. Yeah. Um, I feel slightly older than I 
<laughs> anyway, what have you? Um, but speaking of, you know, the Rugrats game that you're working on, I I had a chance to watch um, watch it being played at PAX, and you know, I'm I'm gonna say a few things, and this isn't meant to be in a bad way. It'll all make sense at the end. I did not try it. I refused to try it because um, the person I was speaking with about it was also um, watching over and talking with a mother and a daughter that were playing it. And the mother looked about my age and the daughter looked about the age I would have been when I was playing uh, like Nintendo games. So like four, five, six-ish, what have you. Um, And you know, he asked, he's like, yeah, did you want to try? And I think at one point she was like, you know, yeah, we can, we can go. And I was like, no, no, I, I know how Nintendo game plays. Um, I don't mean that in a negative way. It looks like a Nintendo game in all the best ways, but also I did not have any intention of interrupting what was surely going to be a wild core memory for this girl, for this mother and daughter. Right. So like, you know, um, I haven't had a chance to put my hands on it. However, watching it, it looked absolutely fantastic. And it looked exactly like a Nintendo game should. Um, and, you know, saying that in 2023 about a brand new Nintendo game is incredibly weird. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, at PAX, it was the actual Nintendo playing it, right? Yeah, we we uh, did. We had it was actually my um, one of my childhood Nintendo systems. It was the uh, I bought it at a local secondhand store when my uh, my brother kind of commandeered our original NES system. So I bought myself one at the like local secondhand comic book store type place, and uh, that's the same one that I brought with me. So. So, you know, um, which is, which is also, you know, funny to hear that it's, it's not only is it, you know, was it being played on Nintendo? It was being played on a very old Nintendo. Oh um, yeah, very old. And not, not like a, 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 a re, a redo or what have you. Um, um, but yeah, so, you know, I haven't had a chance to, to play it. I'm looking forward to it, obviously. But like, like I said, I had no intention of interrupting what looked like a fantastic memory for a mother and a daughter. Um, because like I said, it, in all the best ways, it looks exactly like, like an old Capcom Nintendo game or, or what have you. Right. Um, which I also realize a lot of people probably not, might not know what that even means, which is also a shame and in 2023 no but that's that's about the highest praise you can give to uh to an nes game is to say it looks like a a capcom game honestly so that that's pretty great to hear um but yeah our like the team really because it was more than just me the whole team really put in so much like the for the graphics and the music and everything about it it it's such a solid feeling game um and there were some I know some of the people in the feedback too, where you have that sort of fuzziness in in, people's brains are sometimes a little fuzzier when it comes to this. And some people thought it looked more like a, uh, a super Nintendo game than an NES game, which was, which was kind of cool to hear as well, even though it is, um, I guess to a trained eye, you could tell the difference, but to the untrained eye um, for it to sort of have that late NES borderline um, thought, it it was really cool to hear that from some people 
and also just like you were saying like the mother and the daughter playing there was um we demoed it um at pax and we also demoed it at uh new york comic-con recently and seeing those like families playing and people playing with their kids was it was some of the most fun that i had watching people demo the game because you had these parents that were kind of immediately nostalgic because it was the it was a cartoon they grew up with and it's the same era of game that they grew up with so it sort of just tugs at those nostalgia strings in two different ways and i think that's kind of something that um i'm really happy to see that people are responding that way because that's that's what we're really hoping that that's sort of the response we would get and you know like from from when i was i believe it was one of the honestly i apologize at this point i can't remember who i was speaking with um but like when i was speaking with them uh about it and you know about just the watching the mother and the daughter as well it was you know it was it was just great because like it's it it's something that he mirrored or had also kind of said that that was something that they've seen like a few times and like people were immediately taking to it and you know like i said i was perfectly fine not trying it because you know again in no negative way i i i grew up with nintendo i have a good idea of exactly what it will be from what i could see uh and you know i didn't want to in any way interrupt the mother and the daughter just as i'm sure you know the mother uh was probably happy i was like no no i'm not don't don't just keep just keep going just keep going no i totally understand that so thomas i am curious um you know because we kind of covered how you got started into making games so i'm not gonna I'm not going to hit you too hard with that one. However, um, what I will say, or I will ask, I guess, is if there is any kind of wisdom, words of wisdom that you can share from the experiences you had getting into making games. Um, I really think something you need to do is just kind of dive into it. And I don't necessarily mean that as in, you know, quit your job without any, you know, and, and jump right in without any focus whatsoever. But one of the biggest things, especially early on, and I think a lot of people do this when they're hobbyists, you start projects that you kind of never finish. And there, there's definitely a big backlog of those that I've had over the years. But if you can, if you can start something that you finish and you're able to make a fun experience, then people are going to take note of that. And um, I think that's a really good way to jump into things. Um, a few years ago, I probably would have said Kickstarter is a good way too, but I think um, it's kind of become a, there's sort of a bit of a negative connotation. I think, unfortunately that's happened with that, where it's like, there's so many, um, you know, unfulfilled projects and that sort of thing that it makes people a little hesitant, but you, if you've got, um, you know, you, there's game jams, there's, uh, itch.io is a great site just for, you know, sort of a risk-free way to share things and just finding a community um, because it, you've sort of got the big sea of game development, but it's split up into all these smaller indie communities. And if you can find a community that you can sort of latch onto and have people that, you know, share interest in like a genre or a platform or or anything like that, 
um, I think that's also a really important thing. So, you know, thank you for, for that advice. And I think that's, um, I think both of those things are like really, really good ways to go about it. You know, just diving into it, um, you know, not with the, with the caveat of not, you know, quitting your day job and, and going all in, you know, that makes sense. Cause you're never, you know, if you're always, um, hesitant, just sort of dipping your toes in, you're never gonna, you're never gonna take that full step, right? Like kind of like getting into a pool, you know, you gotta, you gotta go full in or you're just going to be a little chicken at the edge with your feet in and never commit. Um, or at least that's how it is for me. It's all, you know, it's, it's jump in or, or don't go in at all. Um, yeah. But then finding a community I also think is a great, a great way to go, especially with the mention of like game jams or what have you. Um, because, you know, I, I try and follow some game jams. It's hard because there's so many of them, so many interesting ones. But like um, when you, when you look into them, there's usually like a game jam that is going to resonate with you. And if it resonates with you, it's probably because it means something to you and the people that are participating in it as well probably means something to them. So like, that's a, a nice way to find a community, I would imagine, because, you know, at some level, everyone that's involved is going to have, um, is going to have like the same kind of investment or the same kind of um, like what have you towards the concept, which will make it easy to talk with people and grow and all that other fun stuff. Um, words that I can't think of off the top of my head right now, but I, I hope, I hope that makes sense. No, for sure. So, so thank as I said, thank you for, for the words of wisdom from that. You know, I, 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 I appreciate you sharing that and I think it makes sense. Um, now I am also curious because you said you got into gaming uh, relatively early you got like your first computer and i think you said 90 1994 um i imagine you were playing games on the nintendo prior to that or or some form of gaming prior to that or around that time uh was there a game or multiple games you know however you want to take this that made you want to make games now i know you mentioned i think it was the zzt um editor and you mentioned the the uh, the the ROM hacking um, or what have you when when emulation became a thing, but you know was was that pretty much it that made you go oh this is definitely the thing that I want to do or was there like a game that you played uh, at some point that made you go no no this is like this is the thing that is like a core um, influence or or what have you like did you have one of those or was it you know what we kind of covered earlier? I'm really not sure it. it it's it's a really hard one for me to pick because it's sort of something I just always wanted to do ever since I first like I can't even remember exactly when I got the NES. I think it was 89, 88 or 89 that we got the original um you know just the NES with the Mario Duck Hunt bundle. Um and uh you know that I mean just that I mean I've the amount of times that I played through Super Mario Brothers since then. And I think the next game we got was Zelda. Um, the first Zelda might even be it, actually, because that game, it was my dad and me and my brother. Uh, my brother is 16 months younger than me. So it's like, you know, we're pretty close in age. Um, but my dad and, and where it had the three save files, it was kind of perfect because the three of us all were just like totally enthralled with that game. 
and my dad used to draw out maps on graph paper and he would play it while we were in bed and then he would show us like where certain secrets were and all this kind of stuff um which is funny because my dad never was actually a lot of the time really a huge gamer but every once in a while there was a game that really kind of grabbed him and uh that was the first one that i remember really really grabbing him um was zelda and just um i think it felt so big too at the time compared to uh like compared to mario and compared to other games that we had like rented and stuff but that was the second one that we actually owned and um then when you beat it and there's a second quest and it was like it was like a whole separate game and it's like breaking all the rules there's like invisible walls and everything's super hard and it was like so it was uh just something about like the complexity and stuff of that that i think really enthralled me so i've always kind of had a special spot for the zelda series ever since that so i i'd say that's probably like the the game that really kind of made it kind of a a real interest and because ever since then like i definitely wanted to make games and it was on the nes that i first wanted to i even remember thinking like I wonder if there's some way because I had no idea how the cartridges actually worked, but if there's some way that I had like metal contacts and was like able to scrape them up a certain <laughs> way and stick them in an NES console, if it would just play some like garbage looking game. And because I, I didn't know, I just thought that like all the pins must have had all the different, you know, the different graphics in them or something. Because, you know, if it was dirty, this it would be garbled and all that kind of stuff. So that it just fascinated me the way that it worked fascinated me and i had no idea at the time um so yeah i'll uh if i really had to nail it down i'd probably say the first zelda so you know thank you for sharing that and it's 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 always funny to hear about you know parents that aren't really big into gaming getting hooked into gaming like uh my father plays a you know well he plays a lot of team fortress too but he he does enjoy like playing games and he's played you know he has enough and he's played a lot um however my mother was someone that did not play games and for uh, a similar thing to like your father for her it was it was Bomberman and um I don't you know I don't know if it just never went back to the rental place or or what have you but Bomberman showed up one day and that was basically what she was doing with it um which is a much harder game to like draw maps and show people be like, yeah, this is what you can do. Cause it's, it's bomber, man, right? You blow everything <laughs> yeah. up, go through the door. Um, but no, but thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that's always, it's always wonderful to hear like about a non-gaming parent, like just getting into that and then kind of doing that to with their kids. Um, now I am, I am curious cause there's something you said that, you know, I'm wondering how the answer will for this will go in. If, if, you know, I imagine um, this might be something you've thought about or someone might have jokingly asked you before, um, just given the context of what you do or what you've been doing. Uh, but if you could go back in time to like, you know, uh, six year old you or what have, however old you would have been in the early 90s um, and be like, hey, so guess what? In like 40 years, you're going to make a Nintendo game. Like, how, how do you think that would go? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I thought about that one a lot, actually. I, it's, uh, it, it would be pretty surreal. That's all I can say is like, cause 
I remember people joking about it when I was, uh, I think about 12 or so when it was like, you know, it was a couple of years into the Super Nintendo being out and I was still playing my NES because a lot of people, you know, they, they get a new system and they'll, they'll trade in their old one and all their old games so they could, you know, trade up or whatever. And I didn't, we never, I never wanted to do that. I, I wanted to keep and hold on to those old games because I still, I still love them and I still wanted to go back and play them. And, uh, I remember getting teased a little bit for it because people were, people said to me like something like, you know, when you're, when you're an adult, you're probably still going to play, be playing like old Nintendo games. And, um, <laughs> I guess they, they weren't wrong, but, uh, then I was making them too. So it was, it was pretty funny. It just, I always think back on that, on that kid that said that to me when I was like 12. one of those kind of like uh uh what is it in the middle of the night kind of things where if like you know you wish you uh, the george costanza moment where like the comeback comes to you in the middle of the night except for you and you in your case now the comeback comes to you in the middle of the night 20 or so years later <laughs> like damn right i will and i'll be making them too you watch or yeah. whatever yeah uh so thomas um if it's okay if you i'm gonna kind of excuse me for one second sure sorry about that uh if it's okay if you i'm gonna kind of stick around the nintendo uh mainly because um you know mainly because you're making a game from the nintendo uh you played a lot of nintendo like you know i just think if it's okay if you this might be a good fitting context wise to to the episode or at least for now yeah um so I'm curious because earlier we talked or you, you know, you agreed or, or, or acknowledged or however you want to think about this one, uh, that like one of the highest praises that a Nintendo game could get, um, was that it had like that, that Capcom feel. Um, and for those that don't know what that means, um, that's Capcom was effectively like just some of the best platformers for the Nintendo, uh, in, in like every way possible uh you know graphics wise like their sprite work was really good the audio was, or the music the what have you the soundtrack was always really good the gameplay was typically unique and varied um so like there's reasons to say uh that something was kind of like you know it, it looked and feels or what have you like a capcom game that has some weight to it um now thomas i'm sure you already know all that this is for for everyone else or anyone that's listening but anyway um so not focusing on like the Capcom level games. Cause you know, there was very few outside of Capcom that were, were like that. However, I'm wondering if there was a Nintendo game, uh, and you know, this could be something you found later in life, um, or, or what have you, but if there's a Nintendo game that you feel just didn't get enough credit or for whatever reason, like maybe it was just overlooked when it came out. Um, Maybe it was something you found yourself and realized was really nice. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not saying how you have to take this angle with it. I'm just, you know, putting some out there. But the end, the core of the question, I guess, is, you know, was there a Nintendo game that you really enjoyed that you think other people should give another chance or, or just didn't give enough of a chance or what have you? Um, this is going to be probably a little bit of a hot take, but these are games that when I was a kid, I actually genuinely liked and uh they're they're pretty 
popular to rip on now but i actually really liked a lot of the wisdom tree games like i thought spiritual warfare was actually a pretty decent zelda clone um exodus was a pretty good puzzler and i liked uh king of kings the rest of them i wasn't really into but those three specific wisdom tree games it's kind of a cheat answer i guess but they were actually pretty solid especially for unlicensed um content if you take anything out all the all the other elements out of it like the the, you know the, the bible questions and all that stuff that you know whatever but just like the actual games you know they weren't the like the one with the three wise one that wasn't actually a bad little platformer it was actually pretty fun and um there weren't a lot of straight up zelda clones to that degree of spiritual warfare either um and that was a pretty fleshed out game so uh that's going to be that's going to be my answer for sort of those are actually kind of hidden gems in a certain way that i think a lot of people didn't really give a second look to and just kind of uh like to laugh at just because they're you know they're kind of the hokey third party games with bible questions and it's easy to make fun of them so you know that's that's fair um to to say and i think one of the biggest downfalls or biggest what have you's against those games was the sheer amount of people that just couldn't play them so like you mentioned that spiritual warfare um and i took a look quick little uh looked at like a, a picture of it or what have you and yeah it does look like a decent ish zelda kind of clone um but like the biggest i think downfall to these games were you couldn't play them on any Nintendo that was made after like 90 or sorry, 88, 89. Um, my Nintendo that I still have was a 1990 model, I believe. And that came out after Nintendo did the whole, um, uh, the whole, uh, uh, the chip that basically locks out any game that they personally did not put their stamp into. Um, and well, I remember trying to rent these games, and I remember trying one or two of them at my sitters who had a Nintendo that could play these games. I personally was never able to, and I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons people can't look at them as critically, or sorry, people back then couldn't look at them in like not such a critical, these are Bible game ways. Um, so you know, you saying that and like seeing the screenshot and seeing that looks decent at the very least. Um, it's, you know, I think it's just unfortunate that most people just would not have had the ability to have that hot take. I hope what I'm saying makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I, I totally get it. Plus, it's not like they had nearly as like wide distribution because of the whole, you know, you can't sell unlicensed games here and that and you could only buy them in like christian bookstores or whatever like they're they're definitely an oddity for for sure but they're not they're not as entirely terrible as a lot of people like to say and you know i'll I'll also throw this out kind of as not as a counter to what you're saying but kind of as like a, a you know a parallel there were also a lot of bad licensed games or licensed in the sense of approved or what have you games on the nintendo so you know it's not like these were exclusively the only, you know, potentially bad games or janky games or what have you, what have you, right? Like the Nintendo had a lot of games, a lot of bad ones too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's there's there were tons of of bad games, but um 
and even like like i'm saying with the unlicensed ones with some of the wisdom tree ones like some of them are pretty pretty close to unplayable going back but um not all of them are and there there were a couple of uh a couple of like sort of hidden gems that are in there if if you're into if you're into those genres so if i was to pick one sort of from each genre it would be like i mean obviously like i mean spiritual warfare for zelda like it was only when they did and it it was a it's kind of surprising the scope of where that game goes and then um i mean exodus was just kind of a fun uh puzzle like puzzle game kind of thing like if you like um just that that type of game and um their platformers were mostly pretty rough but i think that three wise men one that was in king of kings again that was uh that was actually pretty cool there were some cool ideas in there so you know thank you for that and i'm not gonna lie when you said you had a hot take i was i was bracing myself to hear you say something like uh, silver surfer wasn't that bad or or you know some of those ljns so you know <laughs> um on the grand scheme of how braced i was that 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 you know that could have been a much hotter take is all i'm gonna say i guess it could have been so much higher than that i um, think too the fact that they're unlicensed and what i do now is unlicensed i kind of got a a little bit of love just for unlicensed stuff in general just because it's like I don't know. There was always something even back then, like seeing cartridges that were like a different color and shape that was kind of like, oh, this is different. Kind of, yeah, and it was exciting, right? Like I remember yeah. um I because I don't I don't know how or why the rental place had, you know, a Bible game or two. Um, you know, I only tried that one once or twice, maybe or, or something. But they also had um uh that that Dizzy's Adventure like three or four pack or something, the the little egg guy oh, from yeah. the UK. Yeah. And every time i rented it multiple times thinking it would be different thinking it would be better because <laughs> of the cartridge and you know it was never better it was never different um and like every time i rented it we'd go back my mom would be like it didn't work and she'd go okay well here's your money back like they would they would give give us a free rental um because you know what have you but i think like after the like third or fourth time my mother was like just stop just just give it up just we're not doing this again like just go rent turtles again like stop give it up call today <laughs> um so you know and kind of in the same vein to to you know what i just asked about a nintendo game or you know nintendo games that you feel didn't get enough credit i'm and i, I imagine this is going to be another hot take ish kind of question i'm wondering if there was a nintendo game that you don't feel holds up today to the way it should or you know or a game like a nintendo game that was um how do i put it um that you feel people are wrong about. <laughs> sorry that's way too negative um just a game you know a nintendo game that you you know that when you if you went back to you're like oh this doesn't hold up as well as i had thought it did or or what have you um let's see if i was to pick a game that was sort of one of the popular games that i never that i never really got into back then and i've tried honestly um it might be contra because that's like and it's such a because it's kind of like one of the iconic it's it's by konami and also but i think it's a game that like especially if you don't use like the code um i i almost feel like the contra code because everybody knew it was like necessary to play the game because if you're going to play it without that 
you're just gonna die in like three seconds um you need to know how to play it and maybe i just never took the time to um you know get good at it or whatever but it was just an, a game i never clicked with me so i can definitely relate to what you just said there um you know i i empathetically feel that one like i i didn't play a lot of the contra nintendo i played uh, my father and i rented it for the super nintendo a few times um except we didn't know about the contra code so we would get to like the third or fourth level and that was it like that was our wall right and like you know the game over you'd restart and what you know it's just me now realizing that like how inherently necessary the contra code or the konami code um was or is for those games for a casual player um it's it's wild uh just like how how they didn't get blasted harder for how hard they are you know like um i i don't i don't know if people even still use this term i think it's just I don't, I don't think it's outdated. I think it just doesn't exist in most people's lexicon anymore. But like back in that day or back in like the early Nintendo days for like Nintendo and Super, um, Nintendo hard was, was a statement that was used to describe games. And in most cases, in my memory, at least it was usually due to like technical choices like, um, uh, Ninja Gaiden, um, or like Castlevania were the limitations of how you could play the game influenced how difficult the game would be. Um, Contra's solution to that being a cheat code that you had to know, um, you know, thinking about it now, like, you know, it's, it's kind of shocking that it made it like it, it, it got, it got further than people just saying this game's way too hard and leaving it, leaving it to, to, to whatever, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a thing I've heard kind of people almost get conspiratorial about the a difficulty of old video games, but I think a lot of it and this is one I saw I can't even remember who it was an interview with, but they're asking about why the games are so difficult. And what it really was, um, because I know a lot of people say it's like, oh, it's for the rental market, you get people to so they wouldn't get too far in the game, they'd want to rent it again and all this kind of stuff. But what it really actually and what I really believe it actually came down to, um, and I really wish I could source where I got this from, but it was this, there was a, it was one of the older Japanese devs from, from the eighties. And he just said that um, they just got good at their own games while they were developing it <laughs> and they wanted to, so they didn't. And, and I can empathize with that because a lot of people, when I make games, they, people will say that they're like every game I've released, someone will say that it's like brutally hard. And um it's all been small teams, you know, working on these games. And I think that really is what it is because when you've got a small team working on a game, you got to keep, you're constantly testing it yourself. You got to keep things interesting. You start worrying, Oh, is it too boring? Is it too easy? Um, and so you might add an enemy here. You might, you know, reduce your health bars or do something, you know what I mean? And um, because you don't want it to be the one thing you don't want your game to be is boring and I think when you get too good at your own game, um, then trying to keep yourself from being bored, it, it is a risk that you can take that it, it can end up becoming too difficult as a result. And I think that's just 
you know, I mean, a lot of these games were developed with teams of, you know, five people or something just, you know, very similar to what an indie team would be nowadays, like five or 10 people. And um, they just got good at their own games. I think that's really where it came from. And I think a lot of people, there wasn't as much backlash to it back then because it's what everything kind of was. So you had that sort of patience to try over again. Um, And there were some games that I think were a little bit more tolerable to do that with um, than others. And uh, with Contra, it was just one that I didn't really have the the patience to do. I kind of like if it was a game that was harder, I kind of gravitated towards things like the Mega Man games. But I think the level selection on those um, really helped in its favor because if you found one level too hard, there was like seven other levels you could try. So you didn't necessarily feel like you had a wall and then you'd find another level and, you know, you get you get stuck on one level. You try another level and then you sort of gain those skills organically. And then you then you might go back to that other level. It was hard and be like, hey, I figured out how to get by that part. and. Um, I think that's why for especially for those early games, um, Mega Man really kind of stood out as as good design um, in that way, because you weren't going to get bored because there was sort of always another another option. So, you know, you know thank you for 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 that. You know, I, I hadn't heard the the uh, the the. I hadn't heard about them being hard just because the devs got good at their game. That makes perfect sense as well. You know, as you were talking, I, I realized what I had said was very much through the lenses of like today. Um, and you know, like thinking back on it, a hard game then also would have had like the methodology of, uh, like arcades where, where things came from scores were an important thing. So like just that whole ecosystem of, keeping you going without having to pay a quarter or two every time was also a big part of it in why they would have been or could have been a little more difficult than uh, what you would expect otherwise or what have you. But so thank you for, you know, everything you said just made me take off the, the, you know, made me put on the nostalgia glasses, I guess you would say, and be like, no, this is your, I, I, I forgot the context of so many other parts of it. But I I really like the the uh the no no we just get good at our games that's why they're so hard and like it makes sense right like because it's not going to be until and I imagine that that holds true today that you aren't letting people try your games until you're comfortable with where they are that it's a proper representation of what you want it to be you know regardless of it being like an early alpha beta what have you what have you what have you so like it's still going to be based around what you've gotten good at and if you've gotten good at you know running through these levels and are trying to keep them exciting for you you know you, until someone else plays it that's not played it before or what have you it's going to be a it could possibly be a slap in the face right yeah yeah and i think it's it's kind of a common thing just with indie games in general and um even even trying to like develop puzzles and that sort of thing like sometimes you know some of the some hints might not be as obvious to you as someone else or that kind of thing it's just it's a common thing i think in indie development because indie games always kind of they they a lot of them have a reputation of being a little a little bit harder and i think a lot of it really isn't necessarily intentional but it does come down to just the whole um you know small team thing 
so you know speaking of or 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 to the uh, you know uh you know you designing it and you know uh, it's it's more obvious to you um as someone that's like made or did some like little D campaigns or as someone that's made like a board game or two and you're like you're writing out like the scenario or the instructions or what have you um you know in your mind you're like this makes perfect sense and when you read it it makes perfect sense to you and you know you you get lost in the fact that well yeah it makes perfect sense because you designed it you know this solution to your puzzle of course it it makes sense right like so you know yeah i understand what you're saying and yeah it makes perfect sense so Thomas, I am curious about this as well. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to step out of the context of the Nintendo. I'm going to release you from the shackles of having to speak about <laughs> the Nintendo. Or let me rephrase that, uh, intentionally have to speak about the shackle or shackled to speaking about the Nintendo. Um, but I am curious what kind of games are you enjoying now? Like, how do you enjoy gaming now? And what is it that makes gaming enjoyable to you? I mean, really, I think a lot of it is, um, I'm, I'm finding just maybe it's my age and just stuff that I've got, you know, I've got kids and all that kind of stuff, but it's, I don't have as much time to put into, uh, long games as I used to. So just having either games that are like brief, or that are easy to split up and digest that I can play over a long period of time. Um, that kind of stuff is stuff that I really enjoy. I think the, and I do kind of gravitate just towards Nintendo franchises and stuff that um, stuff like that as well. Cause like the only real games that I played this year were uh, Super Mario wonder and uh, tears of the kingdom. And I think it's just a matter of like what I actually have time for. And it's almost just kind of like gaming is kind of like comfort food for me at this point. So it's like, you know, Mario wonder it's like, okay, you can just split that up. You can play a few levels here and there. And it was just, it was a, it was a great game. It was just, it was just fun. And, um, tears of the kingdom. I played that for months, but again, it was kind of where it's such an open game. It was like there, you could play it for, short period of time you can play for a long period of time you can just kind of squeeze it in every now and then you always felt like you were doing something um whether it was you know mapping out the the underground area or, or clearing a shrine or two or like that kind of stuff um just i like things that are kind of easy to digest at this point so you know as i do not have children but i am 36 um I think 30, I'm, I'm mid thirties at the very least. I don't remember right now. Um, <laughs> but as someone that is of the age where I need to worry about adulting more, um, I 100% agree with shorter games. Shorter games are fantastic. Um, you know, uh, there's a whole myriad of reasons. I don't think we need to, or have time to really delve into that one, but I agree completely. Shorter games are short. Uh, games that are easy to digest in short chunks are are always nice in my mind. Um, and now you had mentioned that like gaming now is like your your comfort food kind of thing. So I'm I'm curious, what is if you if you have one like do you have a best comfort game or uh, a comfort game that you you know 
the type of comfort game that you might gravitate to, which I realize might just be short, which is perfectly fine. But, you know, comfort games. Speak, please. I'm going to stop trying to screw up a question. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd probably go with uh, Zelda Link's Awakening. And I, I could I could play I could replay that game start to end like forever basically I just always really loved that game. Um, there is something I think the the fact that it was like I was so into the first Zelda, um, it didn't actually have a link to the past for a while until sort of a while after it came out. Um, so it wasn't. I never quite really had that nostalgia for a link to the past, but I did have links awakening and I was in a family. Like I was, I had a pretty big family. Um, when I was a kid, there was five kids in my family. I was the oldest, but game boy was kind of good because it was like a system. I could just play without having to share the TV or anything like that. And it was something I had saved up my own money and bought myself. So I didn't have to share it with anybody else. It was just kind of my thing. So uh, links awakening just kind of became that game for me. And uh, it's a game I could just constantly go back to. And I, I do, I'll probably play it, play the th- thing through once or twice a year so now i hope you don't mind me asking this you know usually i don't i don't like to pry too deep into people's personal lives um and you know that 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 is a line that varies for person to person um so by all means i apologize if this question is stepping over that line for you however um you know a few years ago we saw Link's awakening get a remake i'm curious if you handed that to your children if your children are if they're old enough if you handed that to them and just sort of tried to stand by and watch as someone played effectively the same game you uh feel incredibly nostalgic and you know fuzzy or or however you want to phrase it about through you know getting to watch it through their eyes i'm wondering if that was a thing and again i apologize if that question is past the line of comfort for you no, I kind of tried. My son, he's 17 now, so I'm, I'm trying to think how old he would have been. He still would have been a teenager when it came out. Um, so it's kind of, he's kind of past the age where I can give him something. And uh, I, I, I did try to get him into it, but I just don't think he was quite as into it. He was still kind of, he was hard into, I think, Animal Crossing. And he loves Minecraft. Um, and... Uh, I don't think he was quite as as captured by it as I was. I think if I had had a kid who was a little younger, it would have been different. And I actually do remember when my son was younger, I think he was around six years old and we played through A Link to the Past together. And it was kind of a he played it until it got to a hard part and he handed me the controller and we played through the whole game back and forth like that. And that was a pretty cool experience doing that. Um, and I think at that point, the age he was um you know link's awakening being a game boy game um was a little bit um less interesting shall we say i don't know just the (laughs) the idea of a super nintendo game you know it just sort of has the brighter graphics it's on a tv and super nintendo is just a system that's aged so well um for a lot of people so we did do that with with link to the past and i mean it's a very similar game to link's awakening so it was it was cool 
doing that with him. And I think that's kind of where his, um, that's kind of where his Zelda nostalgia would come from was, was when we did that. So there's, there's kind of that connection in that way, but, uh, just something about the weird quirkiness of Link's Awakening. It's it's something that's why it's the one I always go back to. So, you know, thank you for, for sharing that. And, you know, as I said, uh, hopefully that wasn't too much of a line. Um, however, uh, speaking of the weird quirkiness of Link's Awakening, it's, yeah, I'm, I played through it or most of it years and years and years ago. Um, when I, you know, I was a, an actual verifiable child, um, and getting to replay it now, um, like the the Switch version, was was fantastic because you know I don't I don't remember if I beat it when I was younger, um, but I remember it being all kinds of weird, right? Um, because as far as Zelda games go, even as far as Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. Link's Awakening was still an incredibly weird game with all of the weird little self-references or uh, Nintendo references or, or what have you. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy more people today have an easier time to experience that game. And I know, and I say that in like, uh, you know, kind of in the same way that for any of like the remakes of these old games where people say things like, you know, why are we getting remakes? It's like, well, because, you know, that was 30 years ago and those games are one hard to get. And two, there's people now that can't, you know, would not have been able to play them or can't stomach them or handle them. Right. Because, like, you know, it's harder to play. Like, I have a Game Boy sitting next to me and it's very difficult to, to go back to for me just because it's an actual dot matrix <laughs> Game Boy screen. Right. Like it. That my memory of how I engaged with it is very different and expecting to be able to just walk up to someone in today, like a, a child now that has a cell phone or like is uses a cell phone and go here, play this thing. You have to sit under the light perfectly, but not in that yeah. seat. You have to sit like, you know, the amount of like variables <laughs> and whatever, whatever, whatever is yeah. very difficult. And being able to just go, here's a switch game of this game from like 20 years ago, just play it, enjoy it trying yeah, like, exactly. you know it's so i'm i'm happy to see uh you know that happening especially as i said with link's awakening because it's arguably one of the quirkiest weird little zelda games that that just exists just well that's the thing the and nature of it it does things that you know i mean i'm not gonna spoiler alert a 30 year old game or whatever <laughs> but like the stuff that it does it just and it does it so casually. You're just like, you're just in a dungeon and there's like Goombas or, or like, or like piranha <laughs> plants. And it's, there's no explanation. They're just there. And then you're in another dungeon and Kirby's trying to eat you. And it's like, you just don't know what's being thrown at you. And there's things that like, some of the stuff is so obscure in it. Um, like when you go to, uh, you go to that one house and it's, playing the music from the super nintendo version of sim city and and you have mr Wright there who's exactly the same as dr Wright from sim city and it's just these things like and, and i think a lot of people don't even get that reference but i know i certainly did because i recognize the sim city music playing in that room um it's uh it's stuff that kind of is like such deep cuts 
for no good reason with no explanation it's just there and um it's uh the, it, the whole game is so full of that and it's just something you know that they just wouldn't do it again because it's so weird but it's it's uh it's also like it's kind of like it's it's a joy to go back to because it, it just has that weirdness and uh, my wife actually played through the whole game on switch and she hadn't played it before and i remember her just you know going through the first dungeon all of a sudden there's goombas there and she's just like why are there goombas in a zelda game this is wrong because like, <laughs> there's not it wasn't like they're in there as some kind of cameo it's like no there's just goombas here and you can jump on them like it's it's i don't know there's something about that that's just it was fun i got to see her reaction out of it so even though i didn't get to see one of my kids reactions i did get to see my wife's reaction so there was there was that so you know thank you for sharing that and expanding on just you know exactly how quirky that game is and you know how how yeah, just how nice it is that it exists in a more current uh media yeah um, now, Thomas, I don't want to take up too much more. Wow. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. However, I want to hit you with a quick one before I let you get on if you're Friday evening. Um, so outside of games, what is it that you enjoy doing and how do you relax? And if the answer is games, that's perfectly valid. Um, I just like to ask this in the event that, you know, your whole existence is not games. And it, I would be remiss if... Uh, that is what people were were sold on that everyone that makes games just lives games, you know? No, I mean, mostly right now. Uh, and honestly, I don't do a whole lot of gaming these days outside of, uh, outside of work. Um, I, we've, um, my wife and I, we've got a daughter who just turned 17 months old today. So I got a 17 year old and a 17 month old at the same time right now, which is kind of funny. So um, just spending time with my kids um, and where they're at such different ages because he's in grade 12. He's going to be going to university next year. So that's like a crazy, you know, life changing thing happening with him. While at the same time, we've got this, you know, younger one. She's 17 months and everything in life is brand new with her. Um, so it's it's pretty uh just spending time with them, watching them grow and, um, you know, in their different ways is, uh, is something that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of where my life is. Um, just, just seeing that happen. And it just kind of is, brings a lot of joy to my life. And, um, yeah, so it's it's kind of a funny one because like kids aren't really hobbies, but they they certainly take <laughs> up your time. So, <laughs> you you know that is that's entirely correct to say that kids aren't really aren't really hobbies. You know, it's not like you know you can't say you know they're a hobby project raising them like you would say fixing a car is a hobby project or whatever. But you know it it's I. From my understanding, from parents I've spoken to, it at least seems like a good, fun use of your time most of the time, right? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. There's, there's like, absolutely. Um, it, it's definitely not something I would ever want to change. Is um, being a parent. It's just, it's, it's great. And I mean, 
I've been doing it for a while and I feel like I kind of started overdoing it again. And I don't, I like, I just, it's, uh, it's incredibly rewarding. And, um, yeah. So, you know, that is absolutely fantastic and great to hear. And I think that is the best possible place to leave the pot or leave, leave my, uh, conversational interview with you at. So Thomas, with all of that in mind, I, as I said, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. It is Friday for you. It's five 30 on a Friday. Now you're an hour ahead of me. So, you know, for you, it's definitely getting close to dinner time. I don't want to steal, you know, more of your time, interrupt, uh, your wind down, your, your, what have you. However, if there was anything else you wanted to discuss a cool game, more of what you're doing or something you feel more people should just be more aware of by all means, the floor is yours as well. Please let everyone know where they can find more information about you, which I'll also include in the episode description. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I guess the main thing right now is um, Rugrats Adventures in Game Land. That's coming out early next year. Um, we're releasing it digitally through the Mix Games, and uh, there's going to be a, a physical release through Limited Run Games as well. So um, everyone can look forward to that. Uh, if uh, anyone's interested in following me, um, my handle is uh, SpooniebardToma on most social media. Um, I'm not super active on social media, but um, but I am there and I do check it. So, um, yeah, that's about it. So awesome. So thank you. I will be sure to include, you know, a link to the socials there uh, as well as the game so that way people can actually learn more about it um or or what have you so that was just the way they know it exists if they didn't know it exists and if they didn't know it exists that's a shame because they should um <laughs> uh but other than that though if there wasn't anything else i will let you get back to your evening i'll let you you know enjoy your weekend all right thanks a lot uh thanks for talking to me it, it was uh it was great you know thomas i you're 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 welcome i always feel weird when people say thank you i don't know how to properly uh go from there but you know really the pleasure was all mine i thank you for making time taking time out of your schedule to to speak with me i really appreciated it and yeah it was it was fun getting to talk uh nintendo with you i know that's kind of where we focused but contextually i think that makes the most sense oh yeah for sure for sure so thanks again to Thomas for making time to have this conversation with me. And thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic podcast, as well as a special thanks to Ron Jenkins for the use of music from the title track from Road Steep. And be sure to check out the episode description for links to socials, websites, and other means that allow you to learn more about or support Thomas and the project, Rugrats, uh, Adventures in Gameland being the project, as well as the podcast. And while you're doing that, share, like, follow, whatever else makes sense. Thanks until next time. 